0: This is week 13 of I'll Name This Football Pod later on the On Blast Podcast Network, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. As always, tell your friends. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm joined by my dude, Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Windows Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, how you doing, my
1: I'm good, man. Just finally over the world's longest week of NFL football. Week 12, uh, the perfect COVID-19 2020 situation, right? It just wouldn't end.
0: It was just such a long week and a weird week, and it threw off my like thought process or my guide of just wait what day is it this week wait what am i supposed to do today hold on there's a football game on at 3:40 on a went- yeah. what what's going on here but as quickly as we end week 12 we got to jump into week 13 but first off for those people who might be new to the pod right because that was a long week and maybe that long week got you feeling like you should be gambling, right? Cuz there's more more reasons for you to watch these random games that are going to pop up now on Tuesdays. <laughs> there's going to be a couple Monday games. How do we make those games a little more fun, especially cuz your fantasy team might be done? Just sprinkle a little money on it. So for those of you that are new to the pod, here's what we do each and every week. I take a look at the lines, I give my early reads on these games, kind of where I'm leaning or the Joe public side, Mr. Russell comes in with some stats, some information, some info that pokes holes in a lot of those public narratives. And hopefully we come out on the other side, more informed and ready to make our picks each week. After this pod, I'll post my picks on the on blast site or wherever you find this podcast, you'll find a link to that site where you get my picks each and every week. And all the goal is there. Cause I'm the moron trying to pick every single game against the spread The goal there is just to win more than I lose. And I've got to say something here. Overall, 86, 85, and six, right? Last week was one of those weeks for the second straight week in a row, I felt as if it was a blow-up week. Like, I could see myself very easily having a blow-up week. And come out of last week, eight, seven, and one. But then I take a step back and I say, wait, how did the Chargers not cover? How did the Chiefs not cover? How did the Seahawks not cover? How did the Steelers not cover, <laughs> right? And so you look at that, yeah. and I'm thinking, man, I felt really good about last week. And, and that's where, that's really the lesson I've had the most doing this, like picking every game for the whole season. It's just, yeah, yeah the record is kind of dumb, and it's all about your feels on these games and which side you're on. Because yeah. like, those are all losses in my 8-7-1 record, but it's sure. like... I wasn't, I don't think that I'm wrong about the Chiefs versus the Bucks or the Seahawks (laughs) versus the Eagles. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the NFL, man. It's where 12 win weeks go to die. You're absolutely right. And listen, <laughs> uh, quick early plug for the window. Uh, you and I broke down that Chargers uh, defeat uh, and oh. non, cover really more than anything else um, against the Bills on Monday. So if you missed that, guys, you got to go back and check that out because we could kill another half an hour if we wanted to um, talking about that. But, you know, we talk about all the time, right? Like in the NFL, it's the bleep happens league right and it's the nature of the sport sure this sort of thing kind of happens sometimes in hockey you know a little bit less so probably a lot less so in basketball but in the nfl right because one play like a muffed punt in yesterday afternoon's game uh can turn into seven points even when rg3 is the quarterback for one of the teams and when such tiny mistakes you know, physically, they're tiny, but they blow up into these huge things. And so when you go into a game going, I'm going to lay 10 and a half, 11 points with, you know, in this case, the Steelers, you you have to understand that you are kind of on a high wire at that point. And every little, any little slip right? Any tiny loss of balance and you're going right off the rope. So whether it's a muffed punt or a DB kind of slipping and the throw just happening, happening to go in the right spot for the first time all game, once Trace McSorley gets into the mix, mm-hmm. you know, it's that tiny little thing that boom, that's seven points. And when we're talking about football here, that makes all the world a difference when we're talking point spreads.
0: It's so true. And th- And that game, especially you think the Steelers are so close to covering the double-digit spread. And if not for the muff punt or the broken coverage on the Hollywood Brown touchdown late with the third string QB in the game at Absolutely. this point for the Ravens, it's just like, yeah, football. But that's what makes it so fun. That's what makes it so addicting to us each and every week, watching every single game because he got some, something invested in it. And again, you know, we're not talking, well, I'm not talking about, more than my lunch money here but hey whatever you decide to do we're just trying to make you more informed on the other side so let's get into week 13 as there's no thursday nighter this week but that just leads to an action-packed fun-filled sunday right well i guess sunday monday monday and tuesday yeah Yeah. we'll, we'll get there but let's start here with the eight and three titans as five and a half point favorites at home, hosting the eight and three Cleveland Browns. Again, let me say that again: eight and three Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Now I feel as if the Browns are kind of like the bootleg version of the Titans, right? Like the Brand X of the lower level version of the right. Titans in terms of tough running game, and that's how they get their offense by. But yeah. this feels like kind of a lot of points. But at the end of the day, I feel like I trust Baker to give the Titans some points. I don't buy the Browns when they have to step up in weight class. So I'm going to take the Titans here. That's where I'm leaning. What are you thinking, my dude?
1: Yeah, this is funny. Yeah. They're very much the no frills uh, version (laughs) of the Titans. And I think in the case of the Titans, right they're frill, right. It's not packing your own bags here because they've got Ryan Tannehill. And I've heard people sort of talk about how, you know, the, the the gleam is wearing off on Ryan Tannehill. And it's like, no i mean you're allowed to have a bad game here or there but this guy is still getting it done they are a top five offense over the last now it's a season plus since he took over and so that's the difference when you talk about you know the branding here whereas baker mayfield it's gotten as kind of good as it can get here for baker mayfield hasn't it right like with the bad weather that they had to play in all those games back in Cleveland, it sort of masked the fact that maybe Baker Mayfield's just not very good. Um, he's in a great position here from a coaching standpoint. He, you know, Kevin Stefanski's getting everything he possibly can out of Baker. And then they go to Jacksonville. They should have covered that game. Like speaking of just complete debauchery, right? It's Perfect. funny that you mentioned those other four games. And like, I put the Cleveland non-cover right yeah, up yeah, next yeah, yeah. to it, right? Like totally. there, was, there was a fourth down. Totally. They go for it they make the the first down like the camera shows the ball is past the sticks and they call it short and they give Jacksonville the ball back. And I'm just sitting there going like, and there's a ton going on. It's a Sunday. It's complete chaos. But I'm just like, what on God's green earth are we doing here? If that's not a first down, they go down, you know, roughing the passer on fourth down. And so Cleveland doesn't cover that game. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that they had bad weather situations that they were able to take advantage of because that's to their strength in running the football. Then they go yeah. to Jacksonville and they play the Jags. And yeah, the score was probably closer than it should have been, but he still wasn't very good, right? Missing no. wide open guys in the end zone. Consistent. And you're right. Now it goes to Tennessee. And this line opened at minus four. And that was clearly a bad line because I don't see how – these two teams matched up. Now, again, we're sort of still talking neutral fields here Mm -hmm. in a lot of these cases, right? Because I don't know that Tennessee empty stadium is really all that much of a home field advantage, right? Not a ton of travel, all that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. so I see sort of why they made it minus four, but the market came in and was like, no, 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 no. This is Tennessee more than that. And has kicked this up to six. So the problem is, as much as you may like Tennessee here, doesn't this sort of maybe feel like Philadelphia, and Seattle all over again, where if you jump on the early line, in this case, this past week, Seattle minus four and a half, Seattle minus five, you're, chilling, right? You can have all the Hail Marys you want at the end of that game, all the two point conversions you want, and Seattle betters are still good to go, right? But they show up, you know, the people who show up on Monday and go, I like Seattle, they've missed out on the best price. And we always talk about getting the best price in these games. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to say, yep, Tennessee, let's go here, knowing that we missed out on the best price, right after watching that debacle for a lot of people that were on Seattle. I was personally fortunate enough to be on Philadelphia. We talked about that with you Mm -hmm. on the podcast on Monday and we were on the wrong side of that game right but that's the difference between picking games and betting and using the point spreads and 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 factoring prices and all of that sort of thing so At six points here, it does feel a little possible that maybe this is just that close of a game, right? It's a shortened game because both teams are going to run the ball, so there's going to be less possessions. Possessions. And as much as we sort of worry about Baker Mayfield, you know, the back door could still very much be wide open if this is some sort of like 21 to 10 type game late. Tennessee's defense isn't exactly that defense that's going to shut it down and let's Mm -hmm. go home. It's really just going to be like, okay, if you want the touchdown, you can have it. So I'd be a little bit nervous from that standpoint. So there isn't a side that I necessarily love in this game, but I just wanted to sort of point out that price move is very similar right because you don't see a ton of two-point price moves in point spreads in the nfl we saw it on monday and a ton of people got burned and it just sort of feels like a thing that might happen again here on sunday in this one
0: i got you i got you and again for the the important part there was understanding the difference between picking games and betting right like that's a very key distinction here i'm the fool trying to pick games right (laughs) And Mr. Russell's trying to give you advice on betting. And a lot of times, if you miss the best price, you end up just getting mad on just, I'll say it, the fuckery that happens. <laughs> like Carson Wentz throwing a Hail Mary, having someone, I don't, why am I even talking? I don't want to talk about that yet because we're going to get there at some point. We're going yeah, to have to rehab. Anyway, let's move on. I'm going I'm, to, I'm leaning Titans. I'll probably be on that side, but battle of eight and three teams. Who, who would have thunk it? before the season started eight and three Browns, eight and three Titans. Let's go. Uh, as we move on though, we got the five and six San Francisco 49ers playing host on paper to the Buffalo bills. And the Niners are a point and a half underdogs and the Niners, for those who might not know, they are not allowed to play at their home stadium because everything's been shut down in that county in terms of uh, physical contact and uh, public gatherings. So the Niners are forced to play in Arizona. They're hosting the Bills. The Bills are riding high atop the AFC East. And if not for a trick play though, they might almost lose to the Chargers and Anthony Lynn. Mr. Russell, do you know who's not Anthony Lynn? kyle shanahan and for that reason yeah for that everyone yes but definitely not kyle shanahan right Right. so the the niners here and and this is pretty close to a pick 'em game so if you tell me i can get points like this is one of those i'm i'm picking games here right Mm -hmm. but if you're telling me that i can get points with the niners here I kind of like it as you got some more guys coming off the COVID list, coming back in the lineup. Brandon Ayuk should be back as well to add to the Debo movement that we saw in full effect last week. Uh, I just like the Niners. I like the Niners here.
1: Yeah, I do too. And as much as I just sort of talked about price and line moves and, and that sort of thing, I talked about it on the podcast on Tuesday where this line opened at Buffalo minus three. And part of that obviously was the switch in location, right? Because now it's obviously a neutral field type of game. Well, the market was like, no, no, no on that as well. And that's what's kicked it down to one, one and a half. And as much as I sort of just preached to you about getting the best price and all that sort of thing, I like the 49ers in this game as well. And I am a little bit concerned because I don't know that I've heard of anybody say that they like the Bills. The key thing for the Bills, though, and the thing that might not necessarily change my mind, but sort of downgrade this as far as like where I rank it as a play this week, is the health of John Brown. From an offensive Mm -hmm. standpoint, he is obviously the quarterback is always the most important player on an offense, right? But each team has a different individual that they are, you know, that is absolutely critical to the success of how their offense works, and strangely enough for the Bills, that's John Brown as the second wide receiver, another guy who can go deep. That opens up a ton of stuff underneath. That gives them a better shot at their run game. All of those things, right? And as much as they did win that game against the Chargers, uh, obviously, yes, you talked about the trick play that they that they used to score a touchdown. But listen, beyond that, right? Like just sheer incompetence at, a, at an <laughs> incredible level for Anthony Lynn, yeah. and so. But if you look at how the Bills actually played, it wasn't very good, right? It was one of the more fraudulent sort of 10 point or better wins of the entire season. And Mm -hmm. part of that offensively is the lack of John Brown being in the lineup. And so if he's back this week, right? There's where we find a little added value for the Bills. That being said, I think you're right. The, you know, San Francisco, so well coached. You know, as long as you talked about it on Monday on the show, you're like, listen, as long as they have Debo or Kittle or one of these guys, right? Like it's, that's the difference that they can just rely on these guys dudes and so yeah. yeah i like san francisco in this one as well obviously i love the three more than i do the one and a half of course, but i'm course. keeping my eye out on the john brown situation here um because again these different matchups right the bills don't play the same type of an offense that the rams do and we always talk about that san francisco la matchup and and of course our favorite thing right the vicious cycle that is the nfc west different yeah. type of thing right buffalo has already played in arizona so there's almost there's Ooh. sort of a familiarity there they've actually Mm -hmm. played more games in arizona than san francisco has this season (laughs) so um, you know and obviously an unusual situation here but i think the market has shown you that three was too many and was another bad line so that's two bad lines out of two games that we've already talked about here Um, but i'm still not that afraid of because i think san francisco still wins this game outright we're just not getting the same money line price that we were going to get beforehand
0: yeah, and, and again, for people who are, who are just joining in on what we do here, I think one of the most important things to understand or to learn of what's so important is the fact that where a number starts and where a number is now, because you got to get yourself into the mindset of being on the right side, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm saying this to the people who might just be getting into gambling or the people who are doing their pro line tickets, like the, the, the people, the beginners, right? And it's so much more thinking about what side are you on. And so when Rusty comes in and says, hey, the Niners line was at three and now it's moved to to one and a half, that means that people have been betting on the Niners. So when we're saying ending up on the right side, well, the right side to be on so far is the Niners. Now that's when price matters and getting it at, you'd rather have the Niners as three point underdogs than one and a half point underdogs. So yeah. Just little things here. Just want you guys to pay attention to as we go along. I love the Niners. I really do like it here in this spot. So we'll see how that plays out. But there's a lot of weird weirdness going on there in terms of them having to move. Like you're moving to Arizona, right?
1: Yeah. So They moved to Arizona for like a month plus. Super strange. Uh,
0: Let's move on though to another strange team here as the Atlanta Falcons. Four and seven Atlanta Falcons are three-point dogs to the nine and two Saints. Now, we saw this game just a couple weeks ago, and it was a weird one, right? Taysom Hill was a yeah. starter there. If you remember correctly, the Falcons were right there in it, and they were pretty much covering until they couldn't score in the second half. <laughs> right. Now, maybe I'm still just hating yeah. on Taysom Hill and the Saints. yeah but I'm a sucker and I'm going to be on sure. the Falcons. Not because, you know, last week's game against the Raiders, like I don't know what was going on with the Raiders there, but we right. were all over the the Falcons points. Now the the blowout, the putting up the 40 burger. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. We'll take that. And I'm not being yeah. that swayed. I'm not, I don't think I'm being swayed that much by what I just saw last week. If I'm just looking at these two teams, right. with Taysom Hill still there, and what I believe Matt Ryan should be able to do, three points, I I like the Falcons.
1: Yeah, and this one, much smaller than the previous two games, right? But this has ticked down a little bit. You can start, start to see it go to sort of two and a half, or maybe okay. you have to pay a little extra juice, as we call it, um, you know, to get that plus three with Atlanta. But I think from a side perspective, I think you're probably onto something here, right? From a metric standpoint, the Falcons' defense has improved a great deal since Dan Quinn got the boot and Raheem Morris is back in. And yes, on the scoreboard, that looked pretty ugly two weeks ago. Uh, against the Saints. But again, it's the first look at the Taysom Hill experience, if you will, for an entire game. And the Saints defense is, of course, very, very good. And we're going to need to convert some of those field goals into touchdowns. And, And the Falcons and Matt Ryan were on that program again last week yeah. in the first half you know until they got a fourth down conversion for a touchdown right they eventually were like you know we are gonna need four tries to get <laughs> this thing into the end zone enough field goal kicks helped that their kicker like they literally went for an yet another field goal he yeah. gets hit he's down he's injured they almost kind of had to go Absolutely. for it the next time around on fourth down so um Probably a really misleading score for the Falcons, which does sort of make me a little bit concerned from that standpoint. But listen, there was nothing more misleading than the Saints playing a team that didn't get to use a quarterback last week in Denver. And so you're getting the second look from a Falcons defense that hasn't proved a great deal. You're getting that second look of the Taysom Hill version of this Saints offense, So I think the Falcons are going to keep this thing down a little bit from a scoring standpoint. It's just a matter of, can they convert in the red zone? And listen, like that's, to be honest with you, that's kind of always been the Falcons issue with the exception of the season under Shanahan. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, I'm going to be on the Falcons here. Plus three is obviously the number that we have to be on. Um, but it's going to be a tough watch because yeah. it's all going to come down to that ending those drives. We know the Falcons can move the ball on the Saints. It's just completing the drive here that's going to be the difference between them winning or losing. And I think they have a chance to win this game outright. I really do.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the points here. We need points. We need touchdowns in this game. I like it. And the biggest factor I think is just having now two weeks of tape including your own game against Taysom Hill and seeing what you can do against that, that offense. to at least like stop that, right. Slow him down. And that was the biggest fraudulent game of the, I don't even want to talk about that game of all time there. Cause I was just sure. like stupid. Like, let's get a guy off, uh, <laughs> off the practice roster on Saturday and be like, Hey dude, you're yeah. going to start in the NFL tomorrow. Like, what are we doing? Right. Anyways, <laughs> Let's move on to the seven and four Colts traveling to Houston to take on the four and seven Texans. The Colts are three point favorites. Now the Texans are on a bit of a roll here, uh, but this might be a step up in weight class. I talk about that a lot and I feel like that, you know, you got to have kind of your tears built into your mind, right? Like where do all these teams kind of slot in against each other? And I feel like as good as the Texans have looked, this is a move up. So you're taking on a solid Colts defense, but also, You're without a wide receiver and a cornerback who have both tested positive for PEDs that how much will losing one of his top receivers slow down Deshaun Watson, who's looked really good the last couple of weeks, but also now you're going against a Colts defense. I'm on the Colts minus three. What are you thinking here?
1: Well, first of all, like what a stunning turn of events, right? Will Fuller who couldn't stay healthy his entire career, excellent wide receiver speed, you know, to burn great combination with Deshaun Watson, but constantly injured. Right. Mm -hmm. And then this season, guess what? He's making it through the season. He's starting every game and then he gets busted for PEDs. What a surprising turn of events there. Um, Listen, yeah, you're 100% right, right? Like the, the Texans have been sort of lingering in that sort of dead zone area with the New England Patriots and the Detroit Lions, right? Two teams that are just flat out bad football teams, right? In one case, in the Patriots case, they've been able to sort of hang in there because of coaching and in the case of the lions it's boom see you later matt patricia and so here's the thing with these last two games right like everybody watched that game on thanksgiving that game felt like a game especially early on that detroit could win right moving it down the field against a bad texans defense and then they just start fumbling right matt stafford throws the ball directly into jj watt's hands and all of a sudden it's you know the snow is falling right the avalanche is coming here and houston then gets to get a little loose there's you know trick plays that kind of thing they get to beat up on the on the lions that have basically given up at that point week before that right perfect matchup for them offensively against a patriots secondary that the only time that they can do well is when your offense from a throwing standpoint has only one true weapon. Well, the Texans in that game had a bunch of different weapons, right? They got their their Randall Cobbs going, obviously Fuller's in the mix. Uh, Stills was still around at that point. Well, they cut Stills, Cobb gets hurt, uh, Fuller gets busted, and now what are we left with, right? And so yeah. this Houston team now goes up against a Colts team that, okay, they're at home. That's great. But like this Colts team has got to be pretty bitter about how that game went last week against Tennessee, a team that they had beat, you know, a couple of weeks before that. So it's not that like, you know, the Colts are that much worse than Tennessee. They just got beat up that day, right? After a couple of really nice wins, you know, against the Titans against the Packers. And now they go on the road division rival here, a team that they're very familiar with that by and large, they have owned a fair amount in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And this number, you know, we've talked about a bunch of underdogs, right? We wanted to get plus three plus three here. This number, I think it's the other way around, right? It's now moved up from minus three to minus three and a half. And I don't even really think I care that much because I think the Colts (laughs) absolutely pound the Texans this week, right? Because you already got a secondary that's not very good. They don't do very well stopping the run. So the Colts and Phillip Rivers should be able to do whatever they want to do on offense. And then defensively, right? Like we just talked about the Texans, no wide receivers to be found anymore at this point right like Kiki QT is now the main focus that is a A real
0: person's name
1: (laughs) which is a real human being um right the tight ends all of that sort of thing now we have to worry a little bit about the Colts from a injury standpoint, but I think they get a lot of guys back, right? Part of the issue last week in getting beat up by the Titans is they were without four, uh, five starters altogether. And that's kind of a big deal, right? So if DeForest yeah. Buckner, if he's back, that's a major thing. Uh, you know, they might get their center Ryan Kelly back from an offensive standpoint. So you start adding these pieces back in, given a full focus effort here from the Colts, I think this is sort of that rare time for me where I'm okay laying the points with a road favorite here, um, especially in division, not that that really matters all that much. It is sort of the cliche that we all just kind of use. Um, But I think this, you know, as great as the Texans, I shouldn't even say as great as they've looked, because they haven't even really looked that great. But as good as the results have been the last couple of weeks, I think this is, you know, time to come back down to earth here for the Texans.
0: Yeah, it's a matter of weight classes, for sure. And the Texans have looked good, but they look good against the Lions and against the the Patriots defense at, at the time. I don't even think Gilmore played in that game, right? Or did he? But either way, the uh, Patriots... Yeah, I don't think he did. I, think I don't think right Gilmore played in that game. Either way, though, let's move on. We're talking about weight class. You talked about, you know, divisional matchups here and road favorites. And we got another road favorite here as the Rams are three point favorites against the Cardinals and the Rams come in at seven and three. The Cardinals are at six and five. The NFC West has been just a gong show, right? For those who are not yeah. really paying attention, we've been kind of trying to figure it out, which team has which team's number. And we're all over. Hopefully listen to the pod last week. We're all over the Niners last week against the Rams. And in this matchup, it's kind of weird. I like the Rams here bouncing back, but also, I just like the fact that the Rams, if we remember earlier on in the season when they lost to San Francisco, they were upset by San Francisco. They really came back because there, there's personal things here, right? Like there's a relationship between Shanahan and McVay and they're, they go back, but McVay doesn't take kindly to getting his ass handed to him by Shanahan at all. And if you remember what happened earlier on in the season, they took the L to the Niners. They came back and had a great game the following week. and I guess it was against the bears. Now the bears are not the Cardinals. I know. I understand that, <laughs> but yeah. I'm very interested here to see what's going on. And I don't really like taking the Rams by three, but that's definitely where I'm leaning. Cause I feel like have teams figured out Kyler, like how to not stop him but slow mm. him at least a little.
1: Yeah, this is real. Like, I love this game. Like, I think this game's really, really interesting. But part of it is acknowledging that I'm stubborn and I'm going to be stubborn with this game as well, right? And you you laid it out perfectly as far as the bounce back type of um, situation for the Rams anytime they play the 49ers. And listen, if they could play the 49ers, you know, and they do play them twice a year, but like (laughs) every sort of six weeks, right, Mm -hmm. to throw people off the scent about how good the Rams are just because it's a really bad matchup for them against San Francisco, it's sort of this like trick thing that it's like, okay, so the next couple of weeks we may get value back on the Rams because people are concerned that they might not be the real deal, right? And so yeah, San Francisco and Robert Sala's defense, like that matches up really well. They have the, you know, special sauce, if you will, to stop Jared Goff. Is it going to be a different, or yeah, is it going to be a different matchup here this week for Jared Goff? Of course it is, right? The defense for the Cardinals isn't remotely as good as as the rams now, from a market standpoint, this thing opened two and a half, shot up to three, but you 're starting to see a little bit of money come in here on the cardinals and I kind of understand that based on what the market has told us about the cardinals and how much they like the cardinals i just haven 't been about that right we 've come on this on this podcast and on my podcast talking about how I think the Cardinals are just a general fade throughout this season because, you know, (laughs) when I think a team is, you know, it's a really obvious play, right? So in this case, I think the Rams are a quote-unquote obvious play. And then everybody else comes in and is like, yep, Rams, yep, Rams, yep, Rams. That's where my ears perk up and I go, "Uh uh-oh, I got to have to take a second look at this sort of thing, Mm -hmm. right? in this case because money's coming in on arizona and i've you know i take in a ton of you know sports betting content we talk about that a lot of times yeah i hear a lot of people talking about the cardinals at plus three like that's good value yada yada yada. and i just look at that and i go that might all be true but for me with this matchup i don't really care in yeah. this case right and i'll happen i'll happily wait for this to tick back down to minus two and a half so when you say you don't really love minus three here I think you're 100% right. Uh, I think the good news is I think you might get minus two and a half, right? Okay, so let's okay. keep an eye on that for record keeping purposes, um, just in like case, it. right? If it gets to two and a half, I don't want you, you know, putting on your, on your picks going Rams minus three when you can get two and a half, right? Two That's the half. key here. Uh, you're right about the vicious cycle thing. Once, you know, we get, you know, that big money and the big production value, we're going to have a chart And a graph or whatever (laughs) that has the big circle, right? That says, you know, this team over this team over this team over this team in the NFC West, which is our chart probably our best thing that we've done um all season long uh and so yeah from an offensive standpoint right Jared Goff isn't going to have the same issues from a pressure standpoint Cardinals can only really bring pressure when it's a blitz situation and I think that's going to open up a ton of opportunities for the Rams defensively Kyler Murray right now there is some lingering shoulder issues there Mm -hmm. right and you can blame Last week, on a couple of different things. One, maybe it was the Patriots defense, them going with the jumping jack style defense from their (laughs) defensive line that we talked about on Monday. Um, But also, you know, maybe he's just not able to get the ball down the field with the accuracy, with just even the depth that he has been over the course of this season. And so, you know, we talk about one of the handicaps for that Patriots game was Stefan Gilmore against Deandre Hopkins. Right. And mm-hmm. then what happens if that is a battle and it was, it ended up being, you know, five catches, 55 yards, not the great game for Hopkins. Well, who's coming to town here. Jalen Ramsey. So, it's a, you know, if Stefan Gilmore can be a problem for DeAndre Hopkins, Jalen Ramsey can certainly be a problem. And you know who's yeah. a problem on the defensive line? Our boy Aaron Donald, right? So they might not run the whole jumping jack style defense, <laughs> but I think from a pressure standpoint and just getting in his face, that's going to be an issue for them as well. And so yeah. when I look at it, I go, I love the Rams here, minus three, minus two and a half, even better, obviously. And where's the resistance from? the betting public i think it is there so i don't think this ends up being obvious to a lot of people it does feel a little obvious to me though and i'm willing to sort of take my chance that i'm right on this one and that other people are wrong and i love the rams here as well
0: yeah i think it's great i think it's 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 a good look here and the cardinals just seem to be trending in the wrong direction and and you're right about the rams the rams are really good like the rams I could see the Rams getting to the Super Bowl, and you don't really hear a lot of people talking about, you know, who's going to come out of the NFC. Like for whatever reason, people sure. are still talking about the bucks and that's just off like name brand of Tom Brady and all the weapons they have. Right. But in reality, I keep looking at the Rams and when you see them play in the, within the right matchup, cause that's so key. I mean, yeah. and the whole road thing doesn't
1: matter to them at all at all right like because listen it's a a brand new stadium for them so Mm -hmm. obviously no crowd or anything like that so every field seems like a neutral field we've talked at length about them having to go cross country how many eastern trips that they've made and they played so well in a lot of those games the Dolphins game sort of the you know exception to that rule so like going to Arizona not going to be a big deal for them at all and this is one where like the Rams frequently do pretty well against the Cardinals, even at the best of times for the Cardinals. And the coaching mismatch, I think, is here, right? Because Cliff Kingsbury gets a lot of credit for not being, frankly, a very good coach when it comes to in-game decision-making here. And while McVay has had some issues with that in the past. I still rather trust him to get it done here off of a loss than I do the Cardinals here. And we've talked about this, right? Where are the Cardinals wins that didn't involve miracles? They are few (laughs) and far between. And this is just a really overrated team at this point that has a bright future, of course, with Kyler Murray. But right now, just way too overrated for me to be backing at a short number like this.
0: Totally. And we'll stick with the NFC West here. And I made a mistake on the sheet here, but it's Seahawks at home as 10 point favorites to the Giants. And it's so funny. Like I instantly knew that I made a mistake on the sheet. Cause I'm like, there's no way the Giants would be 10 point favorites. Right. Oh, well, of course yeah. I'm looking down at my sheet and I'm like, there's no way the Giants would be 10 point favorites. I had to make a mistake here. <laughs> That's amazing. But the Seahawks are at home, eight and three Seahawks hosting the Giants and 10 points is a lot, right? 10 points yeah. is a lot for the Seahawks to be favored by against anyone not named the jets but at the end of the day i'm colt mccoy is still lurking and as long as colt mccoy could be lurking i'm gonna take russ and dk all the for for i'm i'm gonna take russ and dk here not yeah. gonna like it but i don't want to be in a position where i'm rooting for our carson wentz type finish with colt mccoy sure that's all i'm doing i'm just, I'm yeah. just trying to not be in that position
1: I, I get that, right? The legend of Colt McCoy is is back in the mix. Uh, if you thought he wasn't in the league anymore, you're wrong. He's now starting um, in the NFL here this week. But again, like, is it that much of a downgrade from Daniel Jones, right? Like you've come on this show and on a true. weekly basis and uh, the, you know the sort of lead in always ends with, but I don't really wanna be involved in Daniel Jones, right? And so guess sure. what, man? You don't have to be involved with Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Jones is out for this one. We, you got your wish. And maybe the bad news is that it's Colt McCoy. I don't hate Colt McCoy here. I think he's a professional backup quarterback. I think he's better than RG3, for example, um, as backup quarterbacks that have been thrust into the league here. You um, know, kind of a tough spot for Seattle right off the Monday night game, traveling back home, uh, a Giants defense that is pretty good, right? And from okay. a matchup standpoint, we go, okay – who's in charge of dealing with DK and it's James Bradbury this week and not necessarily a household name just yet. Uh, but I think a guy who can do okay against DK Metcalf, one of, you know, maybe two in the entire league at this point, right? Him and maybe Jalen Ramsey who did very well against DK Metcalf a few weeks ago. So, um, from a Seattle offensive standpoint, right, if that's taken away and maybe not in full, right, but maybe they're not able to make those incredible downfield down plays, you know, the stuff that's contestable that DK mm-hmm. was catching uh, against Darius Slay on Monday, right? James Bradbury is way better than Darius Slay. And so when we look at this team, we go, it's a little bit sort of Cardinals-like, right, where it's like, okay, the main guy with DK in this case, at least they have Lockett. And that's going to probably be the key here for the Seahawks. But if you're sort of making the Seahawks play one arm tied behind their back a little bit, 10 points is a lot for a team that doesn't really win games by 10 points. Now they probably should have this past week against Philadelphia. But again, the Philly D did just enough to keep, you know, the Seahawks kicking field goals, right? Even at the end, right? Where it was like, oh, this is going to be the point where the game's over. They're going to get a first down and end it. They couldn't do that. This is going to be Mm -hmm. the point where they score a touchdown and they couldn't do that. And so the Giants defense, I think is every bit as good as the Eagles defense. So there is that possibility that this game is just sort of sleepy, a little bit lazy, that kind of thing. Now, again, on it's a very sort of uh, uncharted territory here with the Colt McCoy version of this offense. You're obviously not going to have the running element from the quarterback that every once in a while, right, the Giants will spring on you. Um, You know, are they going to be able to run against the Seahawks defense? Probably not. This is a defense that's improving. Uh, We have to check on Carlos Dunlap, right, who was bringing – the pressure right they traded for yeah. carlos Dunlap from cincinnati and now all of a sudden seattle was getting pressure something that they weren't getting earlier on the season and guess what now all of a sudden the pass defense that was like historically bad gets a little a bit little better. better yeah right and so this is just
0: running around the field
1: like, and jamal adams land. is just up to absolutely no good right so i don't i'm not advocating necessarily the giants here i think the number is probably pretty correct right on 10 and you see you know you see different numbers we talked about it right move moving up, down, you know, point here, point there, coming off of key numbers. You know, this thing's been at 10 and it's stuck at 10. And I just don't, I think nobody really knows necessarily what to do with it. The one thing I'm gonna say about the Seattle Seahawks before we go on to the next game is um, you're obviously a big basketball fan. You're a big Raptor fan. Is there okay. a guy, and you don't necessarily have to answer this as, as you know, an individual, but like there's always a guy who if he hits a couple of threes early on in the game and he's mm-hmm. not a guy you want shooting threes, mm-hmm. you kind of get worried because now he's going to jack up like six more threes and you were just like, I was kind of hoping you were going to you know, keep it holstered here in this game. Oh, for sure. Pete Carroll is that guy when it <laughs> comes to aggressive coaching decisions. So he goes in in this in this game against Philly and he's like go for it go for it we're going to be aggressive like we're going to throw the ball a ton at the start of the season and all it takes is a couple of failures whether it's the fourth downs or a couple of losses where they threw the ball too much and Pete Carroll starts talking about how they need to be more conservative they need to run the ball and that game was on him oh it was his fault because he went for it on fourth down and they didn't get it and you just want to grab Pete and you're like no man it's not your fault it's how you're supposed to play it. It just didn't work out in these small situations. And so if the Seahawks are going to go back to that pre-let-Russ-Cook version of the Seahawks, it yeah. might not hurt them this week, but I think it's going to hurt them at some point here as we get closer to the playoffs. And the one issue, as you talked about the Rams being maybe a you know Super Bowl, NFC, dark horse is the Seahawks' schedule is painfully easy. easy, yeah. Painfully easy the rest of the way, and so it's going to be really tough for the Rams to hop the Seahawks for the division, and of course, subsequently the one single bye week that you get. The good news, of course, for the Rams is they're a good road team. But again, that just is worth mentioning. So um, sure. the Seahawks could be vulnerable, and we have to watch them closely over the next few weeks to see if they are super conservative. And I don't, again, I don't know that that's going to necessarily mess with them here against the Giants. It's just something that we have to watch for in a game that I think the line is. Pretty pretty much bang on. And I, and I couldn't tell you one way or another that I love either side.
0: No, I got you for sure. And and we go from a double digit spread to a full on just pick them game here. The three and eight Chargers are hosting the five and six New England Patriots. I'm going to be blatantly honest here. In a pick 'em game, there is no way, again, I repeat, there is no way in a pick 'em game am I taking your man's Anthony Lynn over Bill Belichick's. Can't do yeah. it. Won't do it not gonna do it cannot coach with him (laughs) can't do it won't do it (laughs) i want winners winners. i'm taking belichick and i'm making Uh, it that simple and i get that it's not that simple i get that bill belichick is not the one on the field and i get that justin herbert and cam newton like it's leaning the other way in terms of obviously justin herbert is way better than cam newton obviously mike williams is a better receiver than anything that the New England Patriots have. I get it that Keenan Allen is a much better receiver than anyone the New England Patriots have. All of those things I understand. Joey Bosa, who ran, was wreaking havoc last week against the Buffalo Bills, is better than anyone on the New England defense. All of those things I understand. And with that said, in a pick'em game, there's no chance I'm taking Anthony Lynn over Bill Belichick. Just not going to do it.
1: Yeah. And this is as much as I sort of like that Rams game from an interest sort of standpoint, this is, is that game as well. And it's, it's by far the most interesting game on the board, right? For the, for all the reasons that you just said. And it can't be, it it can't be spoken enough that (laughs) the Chargers are much better than the Patriots yeah much better and you talked about like sort of quarterback versus quarterback right but we try to talk about units on this and it's like the chargers pass offense against the patriots pass defense let's just start there right and Mm -hmm. you go okay well gilmore locked up hopkins and it worked out okay last week for the patriots because that matchup worked out um keenan allen much different receiver it's not a better or worse thing a different sort of you know he's in the slot. He's sort of all over the field, um, runs different routes, um, just a different type of a guy. Right. But they have obviously other guys as well. And they're not afraid to use them. Right. We always talk about Herbert every week. It's a 60 yard bomb to some rando that we've never heard of. And of course he did it again, right? Like the, the hail Mary's that they, that, that he hit twice, both to not Mike Williams, both to not Keenan Allen, both to other dudes. Right. And so if you have other dudes that maybe we don't necessarily know their names as household guys, but the point is they're able and willing to take those shots down the field. And that's, what's going to beat the Patriots here. Right. Even if Gilmore does well against Keenan Allen, which I don't even think is necessarily going to be the case, right? Like that offense versus that defense is going to crush right on the flip side. Right. You know, god love him for it right patriots win that game big bet for us that we had uh cam newton through for 80 yards you know yeah, what i mean cam was and, not so, good. and it's hold on and it, it, there's a
0: shot of cam apologizing after the game like after the game the like the sure. field goal goes through everyone's cheering mcdaniel's like hugs cam and you see cam melding to him i'm so sorry I was
1: like, whoa. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's embarrassed for like winning that game. And it's true because like the Patriots are not good. Like look at the results, right? Like, yes, we got in there. We loved it. And we got that win last week, right? We Mm -hmm. faded them against the Texans and we got that win, right? And Mm -hmm. again, they get that game against Baltimore and it sort of throws everybody off because like the insane weather, all of that sort of thing. So yes, they're getting wins and that's the problem because the Patriots are getting wins, right? Like Belichick and and, and that coaching staff is just squeezing every possible thing out of the towel that's soaked and getting every g- drop of water in the desert so that they can live to see the next day. Whereas yeah. like Anthony Lynn like forgot the towel and the canister back like, you know, when they when the plane crashed and now mm-hmm. they're just wandering through the desert going, you know, it'd be really nice if we had some water here. And Anthony Lynn's like, oops, forgot it. I wanted to make sure we had this radio <laughs> so we had music to listen to. And everybody's like, there's no electricity. There's no connection. Why would we ever need music? And he's like, let's just run the ball um, all the time. And it's like, no, man, like you have Justin Herbert on your team. And so, you know, we talked about the Anthony Lynn just absolute disaster show earlier this week. And so mm-hmm. we don't need to rehash that. But the point of this whole thing is this game's still a pick 'em. Yeah. And everybody is talking about the coaching matchup.
0: And that's not what the game is that i mean
1: it it is what the game is like and listen we could be sitting here on sunday going like oh anthony lynn like he found another way to do it because we every week we talk about it's a different thing that happens but the point is is that from a market standpoint everybody's talking about how they're happy to take the patriots and happy to take Belichick over lynn and da 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 and the line just sits there at Pickham. Or like moves like, you know, a little bit of juice over to the Patriots side. It goes from like minus one to minus one on the other side. It's not like, oh, this thing's on the move and it's minus three, minus three and a half. And like all of the money that's going to file in on the Patriots. And maybe, listen, maybe over the next couple of days, that's what happens. And this kicks up to three, three and a half points. But the sports books are still willing to sit there and be like, yeah, I know, but
0: yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like sure. go ahead and
1: bet all the Patriots you want, right? We know you're going to bet the Patriots. We're familiar yeah. with the works of yeah, Anthony yeah, Lynn, yeah. yeah, and yeah, they're just yeah. going to let people do that. And so we love our lily pad theory, right? Where mm-hmm. we go, we find a team or two and we just hop okay. from one side to the other, one side to the other. It's the best thing about sports betting. You don't have to fall in love with a team. You can actually watch a team, you can evaluate a team, and you can decide yeah on a weekly basis, whether that team is going to be good value. And I yeah. feel like we've found that with the Patriots this year. And so if they can yeah. lose to Romeo Cronell and the Texans, because it never really becomes an issue, like the dis- coaching decisions never really have to get into the mix, right? Like Romeo would have been happy to bleep that up the other day, For sure. two weeks ago, totally. but he just never had the chance to, right? Because the Texans played well enough and took advantage of the Patriots flaws, if you will, that it yeah. never really was an issue. Will that be the case here? Listen, Anthony Lynn can make decisions as bad and as early as the next person. And, you know, the kicker's going to miss a kick, whether it's an extra point or an easy field goal. He's going to kick a field goal on fourth and one, one week. And then the next week he's going to go for it. And the play calling is going to be atrocious. And all of that thing, all of that stuff is something that we all know, including the sports books. And they're still like, pick them good enough. Take the Patriots all you want here. We'll take our chances. And so, unfortunately, it's disgusting, but I have to take the Chargers here and take the okay. chance.
0: I, I completely understand it. I completely understand it. I completely get it. It's just, I, yeah, I, I get it. I, and I'm telling you, I get it. It's, it's, you know what it's like? It's exactly like the game we're about to get to involving the Eagles and what I said last week. Right about the Eagles, I know what the side is that I should be on once the number was getting to a certain point. Yeah, fully aware with it, of what the situation is, and I'm okay being on the wrong side because I'm just not willing to back Anthony Lynn over Bill Belichick. Just sure. not willing to do it. Fair. And hey, there there are losses I'm I'm willing to take every week. That will be one of them. Totally yeah. okay with that. <laughs> um, I mentioned the Eagles. <sighs> I'm still emotionally damaged by the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is way too many points, right? Packers are favored by nine hosting the Eagles. Packers at eight and three Eagles at the ever beautifully looking record of three, seven and one. Now we mentioned last week, the Eagles, we had, I went on this whole long thing about exactly what I just said about Anthony Lynn against Bill Belichick. After weeks and weeks of riding with Carson Wentz and the Eagles, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to take the Seahawks, no matter what the spread was. And it was six, which is very interesting because it ended up being a push. Because as you know, if you're listening to this pod, you probably know how that game ended on Carson Wentz throwing a Hail Mary, it being tipped by Fulham into the hands of some other dude, whatever. I was probably just well, like Well,
1: hang on a sec. Confused uh, Hail Mary specialist Richard Rogers, Richard famous Rogers, yes, for catching for sure. Aaron Rodgers Hail That's Mary fair. against Detroit fair a few point. years ago. Fair right? Point, so as much point, as Aaron Rodgers gets credit for all these Hail Marys that he's throwing, and watch fair. out, Justin Herbert's coming for you, even if he has to throw and <laughs> and, and and complete more than one a game at this oh. point. Uh, Richard Rogers is the low key goat catcher. Sure of yeah. the Hail Marys. Yeah. But go. Ahead.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and so now you have the Eagles as 9 point underdogs. I really don't want to take the Eagles here. The 9 points is so much and I'm looking at it and I'm just like I, I I think I got to do this. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know you what really... to make of it. I don't really like it. I don't even want to spend a lot of time talking about it just because of that fact. Well, nine listen, points is a lot of points.
1: The theme here, right, is at the end of the day, getting the most points you can possibly get.
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: or the or if you're backing a favorite the least that you can possibly get right it's all about price right and you're right like it's too many points like this line should be seven right yeah sadly it's it's the same as the bears last week where that game probably should have been seven and ended up moving off of nine all the way down to about seven seven and a half um, throughout the week right because that just is the way that the market sort of works and From a football standpoint here, like, yeah, it's the Eagles offense just absolutely gross yeah, it is. Right. But a lot of offenses are really gross. You know, whose offense is really gross. The Jacksonville Jaguars offense is really mm-hmm. gross. And they were able to go to Lambeau and hang in there a few weeks back, right. In that type of a spot where it's kind of a, like, what do we really care about this game? Um, you know, type of situation for yeah. green Bay. And so coming off that Sunday night game where they beat up on the bears feeling pretty good about themselves. And listen, the bears have probably given up at this point on this season, right? <laughs> like you saw that defensive effort that they gave was Absolutely embarrassing. And Matt Nagy, just the balls on that guy to call out his team when he's been stealing money for years now. Uh, but back to the Eagles. Um, from a <laughs> defensive standpoint, right? We we, you know, forget about the offensive thing for a second here, right? That Eagles defense is still pretty good, right? They were able yeah. to get pressure on Wilson. They were able to sort of shut him down uh, in a lot of ways. And the one thing that they were able to do is hit DK Metcalf over and over and over again. Problem is, right, DeFonte Adams still walking through that door, and he's going to probably have the same success that DK Metcalf had because what are you going to do? You're going to put Darius Slay on him? Like, he was cooking Darius Slay back when Darius Slay was on the Lions. So, um, but that is, like, we already know that right? Like yeah. that, that isn't sort of a variable, right? Like Devonte Adams having a good game isn't really a variable. It's more of a constant in this case, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you know, you see that Packers team just hand it off to Aaron Jones. He scoots right up the middle because Akeem Hicks isn't in, you know, in the line for the defense there. Yeah. Well, Fletcher Cox still is for the Eagles, right? All, a lot of that front seven still is around to be able to get a little bit pressure on Aaron Rodgers, to be able to hold up from a run game standpoint right like you yeah. saw the Seahawks weren't able to get a ton going on that in the run game uh, on Monday night and so they're automatically going to do better from a defensive standpoint than the Bears are because as much as you know you look at the Bears okay they have you know Rokon Smith they have you know Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson was back and all of that sort of thing all of that runs through Akeem Hicks and so yes. in this case like the Eagles are going to do much better defensively, right? They're going to force a couple more punts. And then it's just a matter of, can the Eagles do anything from an (laughs) offensive standpoint? And we just talked about how the the Seahawks defense is so much better now with Carlos Dunlap, with a healthy Jamal Adams, right? So on. And obviously, you know, Wagner and and all the other sort of guys there, right? Shaquille Griffin came back and yada, yada, yada. The Packers defense still pretty bad right? Like, you know, I know it was sort of garbage time in the second half, but the Bears eventually started to move the ball. They started the game with a big gash run from David Montgomery. And as much as Miles Sanders may have bricks for hands from a receiving standpoint, he can still pop a big run if given that same opportunity here. So, you know, whether we're talking about the Patriots and the Chargers or some of these other ones where you're just like, oh, this is disgusting. Like, that's the point. We always talk about it. That's the point of the underdog, right? The underdog is the one that you don't want anything to do with. That's where the value is created, right? And in this league where just SH happens, like the Ravens somehow cover against the Steelers, like that's where the value comes in, where I don't know that necessarily the Steelers should have been not favored by 10, 10 and a half, 11 points. It's more just like, I rather just be on the side of getting points here because SH happens either in the game or at the end of the game. And I just think this is one where the people think that the Packers are infallible because they beat the Bears pretty good. And it's like, they kind of always beat the Bears pretty good. So why would we think that that's necessarily going to translate? We want to look at other games, right? The Jacksonville game, the Minnesota game, all of these other games, not just what we saw most recently. So I think you're right, man. I think at nine, nine and a half, we're getting a few more points here, in part because people don't, I should say the sports book, don't want people teasing the Packers down yeah. under three, right? Mm-hmm. So they're kicking it up higher to nine, nine and a half. But I think we'll see as the games get closer here, this line ticked down a little bit. I think we might end up in that sort of seven and a half zone. Don't think we'll go all okay. the way to seven. But again, this sucks because we keep every week, we keep going, all right, Eagles are the value here. Eagles are the value, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's just another one of those weeks, man, where the Eagles are the value.
0: Just another one of those days. Yep, it mm-hmm. happens. It happens. Um I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about these next few games here. We'll kind of like rapid <laughs> sure. fire here, you know, quick Let's takes, hot takes, hot reads. I don't know. Come up again. When we get more production value, you know, when when we make it big time for season two of this podcast, you know, we'll have like production value, hot takes, hot reads or something. <laughs> I don't know, but lions, the four and seven lions against the five and six bears lions are three point road underdogs and your man's Matty P and his pencil are gone. And for that reason, Hey, I might be on the lines here. at Plus three. I don't know how the bears can be favored by a field goal against anyone, whether it's Mitch or Nick full. So I'm okay with just taking the points with two crappy teams playing against each other. Yeah,
1: that's about as bare bones as it, as it gets, but I think yeah. you're not wrong here. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matty P, right? So uh, just quickly here, yeah. the Matt Patricia era ends and an, immediately out of the woodwork, it's former players just oh. SH talking him, the rest of it, <laughs> right? And like, then there's like a thing about how Matt Patricia may have a Twitter burner account that is like yep. just a total Matt Patricia fanboy thing. Like that's hilarious. All of this stuff. And it does feel a lot like when B- Bill O'Brien left, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, now everybody can you know, weight off their shoulders. Here we go, we can play some football without this absolute blithering idiot trying to you know, talk down to us and treat us like we're not human beings, et cetera, right? So I think you're actually gonna get a pretty good game out of the Lions, right? We always have that issue though, is Kenny Galladay gonna play? And he's not, it yeah. doesn't look like he's going to. So um, we're going to for one week and one week only, we're going to be okay with the fact that Kenny Galladay is not going to play And we're still going to back the lions here because you're right. What on earth are the, are the bears doing being favored by three points? This thing actually opened at like four or four and a half. And again, (laughs) the market immediately was like, (laughs) hell no. And kicked this thing down to three where you're starting to see a little bit of Chicago money. But the reason for that, of course, is because that money was probably the same people who bet plus four. And so now you're getting a little bit of a, a middle option there that we talk about a lot. So yeah, you're getting three free points with probably the better team, getting that dead coach bounce. The one problem is, right, one of the big issues with the Lions is absolutely atrocious play calling. And guess who's the new head coach? interim head coach daryl bevel he of the hey. throwing it on the goal line for the seahawks hey. uh way back when um and he of you know let's bring in the third uh, string running back here in the first quarter on thanksgiving because it's not like we don't have enough running backs on this team let's bring in the third or frankly fourth string guy normally and we're gonna give him a carry what does he do oh he fumbles right away oh there's no way that we could have possibly seen that coming at all and yeah. so yeah are we getting an improvement from matt patricia no but i think just from an energy level standpoint here, you're going to get that dead coach bump for one game and one game only. And if it happens to coincide with getting three points going up against the bears, I am fine and dandy with that.
0: Let's go. Um, I got a trio of double digit spreads here. Okay. So follow me for a second here. Let's go. Got the Bengals as 11 and a half point underdogs in Miami against the dolphins. I don't know if two is still out, but either way, I think that's a whole lot of points and I need you to talk me out of taking the points in that situation. (laughs) If possible.
1: Very quickly. I don't know that the Bengals score. And I looked at that too, and I saw that line, and I was like, what on earth, like who is watching the Dolphins at this point to make one think that 11, 11 half points is an appropriate number? And then I watched the Bengals game that I hadn't watched against the Giants and Brandon Allen. And maybe it gets better, but it's not like the defense (laughs) is going to hang in there, I don't think. And they might not score. And that's the reason not to take the Bengals.
0: I like it. I like it. The Jags are plus 10 in Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins being favored by 10 points against anybody. I know if there's two teams, it would be the Jags and the Jets, but still I don't like it. So talk me out of not taking the Jags here. Uh, Glennon looked a little professional,
1: right? Like he looked a little professional against Cleveland. Now, listen, if the, uh, officials could figure out how uh first downs and the first down markers worked that game you know very well could have ended as an 11 point game um big win right comeback win for the vikings so bit of a letdown spot against a jags team that like you know nobody really thinks all that much of Um, but if the jags can move the ball which they should be able to do against a vikings defense that's not particularly good then yeah this number up to 10 at this point does actually I think have some value um for a Vikings team that probably doesn't deserve to be favored by double digits against anybody and this is a team that can fumble the ball two consecutive times for a touchdown um (laughs) they're capable of doing dumb stuff like that uh so yeah, like I think I think the Jags can move the ball here against the Vikings. I think the Vikings can move the ball against the Jags. Uh, backdoor potential, all of that kind of thing is very much in play here. Um, so yeah, I think in this case, I can make a case for the Jags uh, as double digit underdogs.
0: Okay, and, and this last one here, I'm having a lot of trouble trying to figure some stuff out here because it's the Broncos is 14 point underdogs in kansas city against the 10 and 1 chiefs and this is a tough one here because if there's a team that i would cover i would trust to cover big money spreads or high sure. spreads it would be or you would think that it's patrick mahomes and tyree kill and his 200 yards receiving in the first quarter <laughs> right. the problem is a deeper dive because we're not talking about winning right because the no. the the record of the chiefs is ten and one But do the Chiefs actually cover spreads?
1: Doesn't feel like it, right? Like it feels like like they, they strike fear in everyone's hearts. They do really impressive things, right? Whether it's move it down the field against Las Vegas in like three seconds for the game-winning touchdown, but yeah. still didn't cover that number. Didn't cover. They, like you said, 200 yards to Tyreek Hill. He ends up with like 50 fantasy points and everybody just <laughs> freaks out. And then they just kind of phone it in in the second half. And then guess what? A little backdoor cover action, right? Yep. Uh, I actually love Denver in this game and, I, and for That's a couple cool. of different reasons. One, right, just they as you They actually have a quarterback? One, they're actually allowed to suit up a quarterback and they don't have to try to petition the league to have an assistant coach play quarterback um, yeah. as a better option than the guy who they ended up having to play quarterback with. Mm-hmm. So a couple of different things here. One, that first matchup, you go back, you check out the score and you go, wow, Denver got smoked, right? But you had pick sixes, you had kickoff returns for a touchdown, that, you know, a bit of a snow game type situation. And we yep. always sort of talk about the snow game, um, you know, helping the uh, favorite in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, In this game, you know, let's keep an eye on the weather. You never know with Kansas City, but I don't think we're looking at a massive snow situation here. Mm -hmm. But if you look at that first game from an offensive output standpoint, Denver was able to move the ball a ton and actually had twice as many yards as Kansas City did in that game now part of that is because of the hidden yardage that is a you know 90 yard pick six and a hundred yard kickoff return for a touchdown and a couple of other turnovers that led to short fields i understand all that but we're still talking about 14 full points here obviously a relatively key number at plus 14 the other thing is right when people look at the broncos they go oh the stupid broncos bad broncos teams like they didn't have a quarterback last week so we can't again let's throw out the result for that game for both the saints and the broncos and then the last time we saw the broncos they beat the dolphins pretty well and you just mentioned it The Dolphins are 11 and a half point favorites against somebody. Mm -hmm. So look at this league right now, right? Like we've got the Dolphins as 11 and a half point favorites. And then we've got the Broncos who are 14 point underdogs and they beat the Dolphins last week. Like the wide <laughs> swath, the alleged, I should say, wide swath. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. what would Kansas City be against the Bengals if that, if yeah, the, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, if the yeah, Bengals sure. showed up to play Kansas City this week, <laughs> is it a 25 and a half point spread? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Right? It's true.
0: Yeah, it's true. Like the answer is
1: maybe because like it was pretty, (laughs) but like the Jets were in Kansas City a few weeks ago and were quote unquote only 19 point favorites. So like, you know, like the extrapolation involved here just sort of kind of blows your mind that there could ever be 25 point difference in a power rating, if you will for these teams in a season where home field advantage isn't even a thing. So it's not even like you can artificially add for those points. So between Denver showing that they can move the ball against Kansas city, but Mm -hmm. between the fact that we're all still impressed with Kansas city visually until we actually try to cash our ticket at the window. It's like, okay, like, That's why this number is inflated to the point that it is. But again, I'm going to need to see Kansas city do it before I'm that afraid of Kansas city. Now that might be famous last words and it's a Sunday night game. So I might be sitting there going like, Oh, I'm such an idiot, lone game, blah, blah, blah. But remember our sort of prime time ethos, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's all like so many times, one way or another, sometimes it's just a pure domination. Other times it's a hail Mary at the end. And sometimes it's Hollywood Brown somehow getting loose in the secondary with trace McSorley throwing him a pass but these teams in these primetime games are getting adjusted up just high enough that it's allowing for these underdogs or these unpopular teams in general to cover cover the spread.
0: I got you. I got you. I like it. I like it. And we move on to a game that I think might be my survivor pick, I think, but I don't really like it because it involves the Raiders who looked embarrassingly bad last week, but who comes along right on time? the new york jets so we have the raiders as eight point favorites and you know the hope would be that the raiders bounce back against the jets after their bad performance last week which we were all over by the way in Mm -hmm. picking the falcons but i mean i obviously would like the raiders to win (laughs) as a survivor pick but eight point favorites What what do you make of that line there against the jets
1: i like it i like it um i i I don't want to say I'm retiring from betting the Jets because you never know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. <laughs> but after watching that game where they had every opportunity to cover that game, to frankly win that game outright, right? Like it's yeah. not as egregious as Anthony Lynn. He has the reins. He has the crown of worst coach in the league. But Anthony, Adam Gase is right there behind him and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. The offense, right, we got sort of tricked into the idea that they finally had, oh, Sam Darnold's back, and he's got all of his weapons, and this is what we've been waiting for here. And they played decently well against the Patriots and the Chargers from an offensive standpoint, some cases garbage time, in other cases against the Patriots defense, which is like 100% garbage time all the time. And so, like, you just go, I can't do it they're going to screw something up. And it's not like this game is sitting at Pick'Em, daring you to bet the Jets, (laughs) the same way it's daring you to bet the Chargers, Over in that game, this game opened at seven and a half, not even starting at seven, right? Not even starting and saying, hey, let's see where this goes. It's like, let's start seven and a half so that that hook might trick some people into betting the Jets, right? Like we didn't even do that last week with the Dolphins. We started at seven last week with the Dolphins and it got pushed to seven and a half. In this case, they're like, you know what? We're starting at seven and a half. If we get Jets money, it's going to be the greatest day of our lives. And you know what the market said? It said, nope we're taking the the Raiders here and this line has kicked up to eight or even eight and a half, right? So the seven and a half isn't even tricking anyone, let alone sort of the sharp money who are usually on these sorts of things. Right. And so the Raiders have this bounce back opportunity here, a really good offense that is much better than the Dolphins offense. So I don't know how they don't score 30 points. Is the Raiders defense vulnerable? Yes. Yes. But I don't think they're vulnerable to the Jets because no one is at this point in time. And so it's super square. It's going to be super popular. It's already moved up, which you can sort of see as it is here. But I don't think sportsbooks are going out of business if the Raiders win this game big. Because frankly, they took everybody but you and I's money last week because (laughs) the Raiders were the most popular play in the entire NFL last week, right? Like 95% of bets, money, all of that stuff was just getting shoveled towards the Raiders. And you and I were like, I don't really see why this is necessarily the case. We like the Falcons. The one thing that threw me off was Julio Jones not playing, which sucked Mm -hmm. because I'd left them off my circa million selections and involved myself in, in Anthony Lynn. And so I just think this is one where you just go, yeah, I know it's a, it's a big price to pay with a Raiders team that did not show up last week, but frankly, it wasn't as bad as it looked from a metric standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think Gruden has the team ready to go. The other thing is and it's sort of a funny coincidence last year, Thanksgiving Sunday, they went into New York at okay. six and three, and they absolutely laid an egg and the Jets won the game. It might've even been the last game the Jets even won. I can, I don't, don't quote me <laughs> on that, but they do the exact same thing this time in Atlanta, but then they go to New York the very next week. And so like, maybe it's a matchup issue and the Jets can win this game, but I kind of don't think those exist for the Jets. Like, I don't think yeah. matchup issues are a thing. And so you're going to get the focused version of the Raiders in this one. Uh, and I think it's probably going to be another blowout in the case of the Jets.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. And, and as mentioned, it's my survivor pick. So I'm rolling with the Raiders, not going to like it, but this whole fade the jets thing might be riding out for the rest of many people's survivor pools. Um, there's two other games that obviously because week 12 just ended <laughs> remain off the board and that's Washington and the Steelers and the Cowboys at the Ravens. Both games where, I mean, Washington before the Steelers game yesterday The Steelers were favored by 10 10 points against Washington. I'd be on Washington in that scenario. Uh, I didn't see what the Cowboys and Ravens line was before that game, but any super quick reads there at all or just like what to expect or where you kind of envision those lines to be when they get back on the board?
1: Yeah, the disappointing thing with the Steelers not uh, looking better last night is that we are not going to get the same value that I think we were hoping for with Washington. Because I'm with yeah. you. I had that circled as a play because the look ahead line was 10, even some ten and a half, And again, yeah. this is the failures, right, where you should – you know, should have bet it at the time. Got whatever I could down on that look-ahead line. But again, you see the Ravens and you go, they're going to be massively short-handed here. This could create some value on Washington. So I think you're on the right track. The one thing that I'm a little bit worried about the contest line over at uh, the Super Book that does the Super Contest. Uh, they've made that seven and a half, which is sort of okay. the indication that like once this reopens, it's going to be closer to that number, if not that number in general. So obviously, it takes a little bit of value out from that standpoint. But I think you're right. I think we still may be on Washington come Monday, long way to go. For Baltimore and Dallas, like, yeah, you can't quote a look ahead line, because there wasn't a look ahead line. Because why would you ever have a look ahead line for a situation where we don't know who's going to play for the Ravens. But I'm here to tell you, and this is, goes against everything that I've said up until this point, I don't think I care what the price is. I think it's ravens or nothing. Minus ten, minus twelve, whatever you got. Assuming we get all the COVID guys back here, right? You've got this defense that showed out, right? Really impressive Mm -hmm. effort from them. Yeah. Very especially from a red zone defense standpoint. Going against a Cowboys team that, again, isn't going to have Zach Martin the key, right? We always, you know, we talk about the random players on a team's offense. Sometimes it's the second wide receiver. Sometimes it's the tight end. In this case, it's Zach Martin. He's not going to be in the lineup. The Cowboys are unbeatable with that offensive line. It has nothing to do with Andy Dalton. I know he gets sort of the trash and the headline and all of that sort of thing. It is entirely about the offensive line. The season ended not when Dak Prescott got hurt, but when that offensive line Became a shambles. And so in this case, our Ravens defense that's getting a bunch of guys back that even, you know, shorthanded looked pretty good against the Steelers. I don't know that Dallas scores necessarily when that game goes off. And when we get Lamar Jackson in there doing Lamar Jackson type things, again, Not an ankle injury, not a shoulder, not anything like that, right? It's just a COVID situation. I say just, not making light of it, but still, right? Like if he's back and he's healthy, he's not going to be anybody you want to mess with on a Tuesday night primetime game. Maybe it's a different story if it's Sunday, Sunday afternoon, something along those lines, right? But this is their chance. Like they weren't, they were embarrassed yesterday in a way that like they can correct right? And we always talk about the good teams after they've been embarrassed. This is one that they feel like somebody, whether it's, you know, the NFL or just sort of, you know, COVID in general that, you know, embarrassed them or forced them to a loss here against Pittsburgh. They're going to take that out on Dallas on Tuesday. Um, Give me anything really with the, with the Ravens in that one.
0: I like it, my dude. I like it. And that wraps up, you know, the games there on another week of the football pod. And again, if people who aren't familiar yet, we recap everything that happens in football sundays or on football sundays in english we recap everything that happens on a football sunday on monday on the window podcast which is your podcast which you can get wherever you find your podcast but let the people know give them a little more information where they can find you on twitter and of course find the window podcast my dude
1: yeah for the youtube people here's what it looks like right there the window sports betting podcast uh we've joined up with the fluent on sports podcast network so check Check out all the stuff that they offer over there. Um, but in general, it's just to get the just to get the word out there. And we do the daily podcast Monday to Friday. We do the special uh, Circa episode on Sunday where I give my best bets, right? Like you and I are chopping it up about which side we sort of like. Friday, I break down each game, a little bit deeper dive with regards to, you know, matchups and stats yeah. and trends and all of that kind of stuff. And then Sunday morning is the, all right, this is what I'm betting. Here's the money lines that we like. Here are the teaser plays that we like. Teasers went under defeated last week the money line parlay came through um not maximum level but three out of five which is good enough to cash um Circa million picks. Big five picks every week. We are up into the top 100. We are tied for 80th. We would be in the cash if Anthony Lynn could execute a first and goal from the one yard line situation. That would have bumped us up into the top 50 and we'd be sitting in a cash position. Uh, Five weeks to go, the final quarter of the season. So this is where it all happens, right? These picks have to be really, really good. We have to get really, really lucky, right? We have to avoid those four or five games that you talked about with the Cleveland's the Pittsburgh's the Seattle's the uh, of course yep, the Chargers yep. all of those right we have to dodge these landmines it's the NFL it's almost impossible Possible to dodge <laughs> these landmines, right? Because you're on the right side. Those four yeah. or five games that you mentioned, right? You were on the right side with Kansas City. It just didn't work out from a point spread standpoint. So um come check us out. We're starting to dip our toe into some college basketball a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to sort of manage everybody's expectations last week by saying, like, we're gonna treat this little pre but now we're starting to see we had some fun matchups last night. Felt a little final four ish over Ooh. in the Jimmy V Classic. And I want to tell people one o'clock on Saturday, number one against number two gonzaga and baylor two teams that were good last year two teams that are great this year they go up against each other a matchup that you don't see very often this early in the season that's going to be super fun the college football has been on fuego the last couple of weeks um tons going on there that's over on the twitter feed at emrus authentic i give out the college football stuff on saturday morning just on the twitter feed otherwise it's the podcast you know we go half hour 45 even occasionally an hour if we have a fun guest like we do every monday with you where we hey. break down these games after the fact and just shake our heads at some of the nonsense that goes down so check that out wherever you get this podcast
0: that's where you can get the window uh we have a blast sounds like a good thing for sure if you like to make money and of course make sure you follow mr russell on twitter that's at m russ authentic and hey handing out goodness on a daily basis get informed as the weeks are winding down we're in week 13 right now so the weeks are winding down of the nfl season time flies for sure and remember to check out my picks as the quest to remain above 500 continues as i'm the moron trying to pick every game against the spread uh on a side note (laughs) The bit on Levitard Show, I love the Dan Levitard Show, but the bit they have where they have a celebrity prognosticator come on to basically explain that how difficult it is to make picks each and every week. And what they do is they bring on some random person to make picks, the same picks that Colin Cowherd makes. And Colin Cowherd famously will have sharps and all this inside info and all these things and research, and he's giving all his picks and so the bit is they bring on like random people like carrot top to make picks and if you beat colin coward you get to come back the following week
1: okay. well, chris
0: jericho has been making picks <laughs> against colin coward and tying him or beating him for like eight straight weeks in a row oh that's
1: hilarious. so
0: as i getting rattled about my picks here and there and i'm like ah oh, just scraping over 500 i'm like you know what I don't think I'm doing too bad. (laughs) I don't think I'm doing too bad because I'd at least be beating Chris Jericho. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And on that note, my name is Sheldon Alexander. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Sheldon Alexander or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Thank you for liking and subscribing wherever you get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Share the love with your friends at Is This, the On Blast Podcast Network. And as always, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is, I'll name this football pod later. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.